Okay, everyone. Trevor Lee running for uh, it's House 16, right? That's correct. Yep. All right. So we got you on the board now. We got you pulled up. And uh, yeah, go ahead and, and uh, chat with us. Well, uh, maybe a quick introduction of who I am. So I'm, I'm not that old. Uh, just turned 31 a couple weeks ago. And I've never run for public office in my life, but I have always been very involved in the political process. I um, was helping my mother who ran for Kaysville City Council uh, back in 2015 and helped her run for office there and was involved at the city level. And then at the state level, I've helped candidates either for commissioner or even uh, Mike Lee himself run for Senate, doing what I can with knocking doors or putting out signs and uh, making sure that online that we have a good presence and understanding conservative values and principles. And so that's, that's me on the political side. Uh, I have had, a, I have a background in finance, uh, finance, uh, financial uh, wealth management, and also in sales. I was about 12 credits away from finishing a tech, technical sales degree at Weber State. I got my um, associates in liberal arts. And a lot of that comes from a Spanish background I have from serving a two-year LDS mission. And uh, that's the education side. I, I didn't finish because I ended up starting my own business back in 2014 and have just kind of kept that up. And on the side, I've helped a lot of other buddies and their companies with their businesses. And every year or other year, it seemed to have a better and better option. And I just kept moving up the chain for different opportunities and at the same time running my financial management business. And uh, here we are today. And um, I would say I've tried to get even more involved in the political side of things because I'm concerned with the direction of, of our country. I'm concerned with some of the ideologies and things that I feel like are taking place and, and having precedence over everything that we do. We're losing freedoms. And I feel like in Utah, especially, it's always been looked at to me as the, one of the greatest states in the country. And I, I got more involved earlier this year, going up to the Capitol, watching the session, seeing some of the bills. I helped gather signatures for certain things that we wanted on the ballot uh, that I thought were important. And I was a little concerned that a lot of the stuff that, that I wanted to pass or legislation that I thought was important wasn't getting uh, the traction it needed and it wasn't moving forward. It wasn't getting out of committee or if it got to the floor, it wasn't passing the Senate or it wasn't getting through the House. And, and it was just really uh, concerning to me that, you know, I could do a lot, but unless I actually decided to run, I couldn't make a significant difference for either the people in my area or for the state of Utah. So I decided to throw my hat in the ring. Uh, one of the one of the last minutes that you could file, I want to say it was about two hours before the deadline and uh, off to convention I went. I got a super majority of the vote from the delegates. Uh, that was really cool because I was relatively new to my area. I've lived in Davis County my whole life, but I just had moved to Layton about a year ago before that. And uh, I, I just went door to door, talked to the delegates. They all wanted change. I asked them concerns that they had, things that they wanted. And uh, I guess uh, they all wanted similar things that I uh, would like to, to have done. And so with the supermajority, I skipped a primary and now I'm off to the general election as the Republican nominee. And uh, I guess my, my opponent now is choosing to run a writing candidacy against me, just isn't seeming to let it go. You know, one of those career politician type moves that you see nowadays. 
and uh, that's that's where we're at. So, and I don't. So we just actually got done talking about the caucus system uh, before you signed on, Trevor, and and um, mm-hmm. so we we talked about what the caucus system is and and how you move you graduate through the different stages of of that system, and so mm-hmm. the delegates. Just to, to back up just a little bit, the delegates as a supermajority picked you to be their candidate for the Republican Party over the incumbent, correct? Correct, yes. How, what, what was the percentage that you got? So 64% of the vote. Uh, in order to run into a runoff for a primary, you need to be 60-40 or the opponent needs at least 40% of the vote unless they gather signatures. So um, he didn't what's even interesting reach. about that he didn't reach yeah, 40%, well, what, so he was knocked out at that point. Correct. Okay. And, and and that's one of the things that I find interesting, because one of the, the reasonings for supposedly a write-in candidacy is he thinks that the will of the people wasn't met at convention. N- needless to say, um, and he's blaming it on low vo- uh, low turnout at the caucus night. And I and I would say, well, if he saw that and, and went through the same steps that I did, well, then maybe he should have gathered signatures. But I think when you've been in power so long or you've been in office for all these years, you get a sense of not really um, being in connection with your constituents. And you, you get that out of touch sense that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to win no matter what happens. And I don't think having a, an opponent for the last six years helped him uh, realize or, or think that he could do whatever he wanted. And so going into convention, just like me, he thought he would waltz through. But I guess the delegates had other um, ideas in mind and wanted a different direction. And so I'm, I'm very happy with the results on that because it gives me hope that the people who are informed, the people who show up, who put the effort in, who get to know the candidates and vet them and understand the issues, made a decision. And I was very, very happy with that decision of a supermajority. Well, and you have to work hard. You have to work pretty darn hard yes. in order to get a, a supermajority to, to just go straight through onto the general and just skip the primary. So it's, it's no easy task, which you did. So what, what did, what did you do? I mean, how much, uh, from what I heard, um, you really hit the streets hard that you, you talked to people, you got up to them, met them and let them know who you were and what you represented. Is that, did I hear right? Is that what you did? Yeah. I, I went to 80 of 89 delegates. I got into 80 homes one-on-one in their living rooms, talking with them, some of them outside and some of these conversations lasted for an hour to two hours, depending on the person. Uh, some people were, were quick and I, uh, just, I, I listened to people. I told them what I believe. And, and, uh, I, have even since then, I've learned a lot, I've learned a lot about, uh, my area, what people want. And that I believe that these delegates who were nominated and putting the effort in by talking to them, they do, represent their people in their precincts. It is a good indicator of how the area is. I, I obviously I didn't get every vote. I may have had a super majority, but there was, you know, less than 40% of the people that didn't vote for me, or there was, I want to say 39 of the delegates who didn't vote for me or 34. Um, so obviously I, I, I don't align with everyone, but there was enough so that, Hey, like this is a majority of the people and what they want. And that's, that's what I'm going to run with. I'm going to run with what they wanted and their concerns and make sure that I represent them. Right. And so um, before you jumped on as part of that caucus system conversation that we had, um, we talked about how you become a delegate. Now on caucus night, if 
you're involved if you want to make a difference, if you want to be, um, if you're concerned about anything political in general, you show up on caucus night. That's when the elections really start and you pick your delegates. So these delegates that are picked, they were picked in order to represent their individual precincts. And then those individual precinct delegates are who have the full confidence and trust of the precinct to make a decision in line with what they would want. That's when they meet together on convention night. And then they select the candidate that's going to go on to the next stage and they picked you. So you do have the full confidence of the people as far as the, the election process is, is concerned. And so what, what did, what did the incumbent say? He said that there just wasn't enough turnout that night. Is that what he's blaming this on? Yes. No, not enough turnout. And that had it gone to a primary vote that he would have won in a landslide is his argument. And, and that's the thing though, is if that's what, what he really thought was the case and he should have done everything in his power to get to the primary, but making that calculated decision, it's a slap in the face to the delegates and it's a slap in the face to anyone who elected those delegates from their precincts. Uh, it's basically saying, I believe in the caucus system, which is what he, he did say. And then going back and saying, ah, actually, no, I don't. If, if I can have a chance at this, then I'll win. And that's why he's running the write-in. And I, I would disagree. I, I, I don't think he will win. But it's, it's really disheartening. And it, and it shows kind of where someone's at when they say, hey, I'll support the nominee or I'll make sure that I help the party. I mean, if you're going to run as a Republican and you lose, you, typically you put your hat behind the Republican nominee. That's what most people do, especially in Utah when you run for office. And I mean, we've seen it time and time again where people um, don't win. And then, the, hey, you know what? I lost, but you're the Republican nominee. So I'm going to help you because when we do that, that shows strength over like Democrats. Democrats win in a lot of cases because they always band together when they need to on issues, even if they disagree on a lot of the stuff with that candidate. But they choose. And I feel like that is that is one of the strengths that they have. And, and as Republicans, we can have those same strengths when we back the nominee that was chosen by what I would call some of the most educated, informed voters from a specific area that, you, like you said, showed up, took the time, got involved. But then to go back and say, no, I don't really care about that. I'll take time and resources from the part, from the party or the state. So they have to go to my race. And then on top of that, saying, actually, I don't believe in the caucus system because it won't represent what the will of the people is. So it's very important that in my election that not only do I win, but I win in a big percentage to show that, yes, having the, the R next to your name and being a Republican nominee is huge in our state and that the delegates were not wrong. The delegates, what they did was correct. And, and, that, and that's why I think it's very selfish what's going on here. And that's why that's why it starts at the precinct level. It starts at the, the very bottom where it's at the grassroots and you pick your neighbor. These, these aren't people that you don't know. You pick a trusted correct neighbor that is aligned with what your values are and say, that's why we have representative government to begin with is you don't have enough time. Not everybody has the time to go out and be involved. Um, we all have jobs. We, we so our careers, our families, uh, recreation, whatever the case may be. And we elect somebody, a delegate to go represent our voice, uh, from the precinct and, the caucus system is the will of the people. The caucus system is is that supportive, um, uh, representative 
government. And so I, I, if he really said that, I don't understand where that he um, thinks that he would have won in a landslide if it went to a primary. Um, it, that just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it could happen. I mean, it, it, it is possible. Sure. But at the same time, it shows me that he didn't take it seriously. He yes, didn't take the process end. seriously enough, and he did not right. go out there. He didn't work for it. You, no. You've got to work and, and for on, the trust of, of your that, people. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yes. No, and I was going to say, and on top of that, I think it's more of an indicator of you couldn't get at least 40% of delegates to vote for you. As a 10 to 12-year incumbent, you couldn't get that many people to vote for you. What is, I think that is more telling to me than anything else throughout this whole process. Right. And to be honest, Steve Handy, that's the incumbent that we're talking about. I'll, I'll, I'll say his name. Um, he, <laughs> he, does, he does not have a good voting record. He consistently voted uh, against um, uh, Second Amendment rights. He he's consistently voted. He there was a bill actually. I I brought this. Um, I got a flyer from. Make sure I say their name right. Um, the Platform Republican Pack. So this is um, a political action committee who. Um, who's put out a, a flyer and it looks like they're supporting you. Um, it says here on the back, uh, vote for Trevor Lee. And it, it, this is, this is ingenious. I love it how they did this on the one side of the flyer. It talks about Handy's voting record. So let's see here. Yeah. Uh, taxes here. Can we put that up on screen? Uh, probably not in any legible form. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, so voted to increase taxes eight times, gas phone, communication fees, property taxes, sponsored red red flag bills. Well, and not just that. If we can, it actually even lists the yeah, House it, bills it, and the Senate bills. It lists the bills. We do have poor people that are listening that okay. shouldn't have to wade through uh, our sewage of. If if anyone wants to know the bills, we can make them available. But to it, you. it lists the specific but, bills. Yeah. For each of these. He sponsors red flag laws. Um, yeah, I automatically is out in my uh, in my mind. Uh, two times the limit, the Second Amendment and self-defense rights. I'd like to read those. Increased fees to purchase a firearm. He should be kicked right between the legs. Um, education. Voted three times against local control of education. Vote against public school children saying the Pledge of Allegiance daily. Uh, voted against school choice. I think Democrats should vote for this guy. It sounds like he's exactly what they're looking for. Uh, voted against protecting girls from competing against biological males, including sharing bathrooms, showers, and locker rooms. Voted for violent criminals to get out of jail, including uh, people who touch little ones. Voted to shift burden of fines and fees from criminals the taxpayers where's this guy from is he is he uh yeah it sounds uh sounds very he's a lifelong resident well he's been in layton for about 44 years okay. a long time all right well and so here's my question on this and i'm going to dig into a little bit of theory on this real quick is he friendly with the media and are you getting uh slammed by the media and is he trying to lean on something like that where uh, you will, where he can, 
use his uh, incumbency strength to come at you from other directions where he can subvert the voters. Is that is that the angle he's playing at? Oh, 100%. Because voting record indicates very moderate to left-leaning, as you can see. I, I uh, don't see has, moderate on there at all. Could you explain uh, his Well, policy? yeah, and, and I'm, I'm using the, some of the words of even just people who are moderate, like, or, I mean, or even Democrats would call it moderate. So we can, we can even debate that. It can be very far left-leaning compared to most legislators in Utah. It is. It's, it's very, very, very much in the long lines of the Democrats. Now, there's that angle. But number two is he worked for the Desert News on their media marketing side for quite a while. Uh -huh. So there's the media side to it, right? Also, we all know the Democrats or the media is another is another arm of of their party, basically. The, right? the, their activism, the and journalism isn't really that. The progressives control our media machine, our our corporate media Correct. machine, and has for a very long time. Uh, but so, have you had? I don't like to use the word hit pieces, but have you had unfriendly uh, media writings about you? Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. I mean, it's like it started back right after I won and it's been used as one of the reasons why um, he's going to run a write in. They said is because he's trying to respond to a hit piece on me back in April. Uh, the next one is since he then has filed to run a writing campaign, they are now doing a couple other things where they're saying I'm a right wing extremist or they're taking things completely out of context. So I'm, I'm pro-life. I believe everyone has the right to live. And I used an analogy on my old, uh, my old Twitter account, which was a private Twitter account, that euthanizing old people is the same ideas and concepts that they use why we should be able to kill babies. And I use that as, in a, in, as a complete... Now, hold on. Um, I saw that the transcript bulletin, was it, said you had a secret Twitter account. Yeah. No, um, so your private because your private Twitter account was a secret Twitter account. Is that is that what they're you and finding? I understand the difference between private and secret, and also between public and private. Uh -huh. There's two. There's there's big differences there, right? If I was trying to create fights with people or bullies, I mean, everyone who followed me on my private Twitter account, which didn't used to be private by the way, and I have reasons for making it private, is. They, they knew me. They knew what I was talking about. They're close friends. They're people who we agree with ideologically. And I'm not trying to go out and pick fights with people and cause an uproar, hence why it was private. And so, and it's very clear now when they start to make private things public, why it is. I mean, I could do something and we could say something that is funny to us, but it may not be funny to others. So of course, I'm not going to say it publicly, but I don't also, um, I, I stand by things that I believe in things that I've said on there too. For example, if I believe in traditional families, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that and I'm not going to back down from it. If I think that, for example, the activist side of the LGBTQ community is, is infiltrated our lives and is going after our children. Yeah, I believe that. And I think that's wrong. And so to have those beliefs or say something along those lines is, is being considered like homophobic. Well, that's just ridiculous. That's that's the media's job is to rile people up and say, hey, look at you like you hate gay people. And that's not the case at all. You know, in, in most all my tweets, I'm attacking ideals or ideological problems that I think are a detriment to the to our, the family unit and to our country. I mean, everything from ESG scores across the board is all being driven by this this woke ideology. And it's a problem. It's 
it's it's stemming from getting people fired from their jobs. It's trying to make sure that kids are indoctrinated and it's infiltrating all of our institutions from the education all the way up to the FBI and CIA and now our military. And, and I'm against that. I'm against that activism. And Republicans and conservatives are too. If you're an actual conservative, you're going to fight against that stuff. And it's been far too long since someone has stood up for it, specifically for my district. I don't feel like my representative has actively been fighting against these issues. And so I, I, I would, I, I will, and I am. And uh, if that's what they want to attack me for, great. Okay. Um, they can't win on policies. They can't win on actual issues. So they're just going to try to attack me and call it secret, call me a homophobe, slurs, try to defame me, whatever they want, docs, try to get me fired from my jobs, whatever it is. I mean, that's what they have to resort to when they can't win on the issues. So I'm looking at the document again that was put out by um, platform Republicans. So this this is the incumbent's voting record. So he's already made his position Correct. very loud and clear. The only thing that he can do at this point, if he wants to, to win, is try to distance himself from this voting record that he already has, a track record. We know what he thinks. We know what he feels. This is who Steve Handy is. Um, so I'm going to go down the list. And I'm going to ask you really quick, Trevor. Um, mm -hmm. So would you vote to increase taxes? What are your thoughts on that? No. In fact, I think when, especially when we run a surplus in our state, that's ridiculous. Uh, the other thing is I've been taught my whole life growing up uh, how Reagan economics, Milton Freeman, cutting taxes is what makes the economy thrive. In Utah, it's interesting as a red state, I think, I think we do a pretty good job, but we could always do better. And the, the ways that I know that we can is there are other red states around us that have cut, ta cut taxes significantly more than we have. But the problem isn't even necessarily cutting taxes. It's that we spend way too much money and we're able to cover it up because our economy is so strong and, and we can waste money on dumb bills like changing our state flag and the millions of dollars that goes towards something like that. Like that, that's where the underlying problem is. See, that's why they say we can't significantly cut taxes is because then we're going to cut into all this pork spending that we have, which we do have a lot of that kind of spending here in Utah. And so when a bill comes up to, to vote to raise taxes, you could count on me as a no vote. And, I, and, I, and if people have a, a problem or a concern, then they can come reach out to me and we can talk about what the issue is and why I'm going to vote no, but you're going to know where I stand. I'm not going to claim to be conservative and then vote to raise taxes. That to me is is dishonest. And I think that people don't respect that as a legislator when you say one thing and then do the other or do something opposite of then what you claim to believe. And that's the problem that you have right there with the taxes. Okay. Under any circumstances though, would there, would there ever be a circumstance that you can see at this point um, that you would allow for a tax increase or would no. it just be a straight I mean, no I, across the board? Yeah. At this point, it's a no across the board. I, okay. In, in this, in this economy, I don't see any reason why when inflation is through the roof and people are struggling, there is no reason to raise taxes whatsoever. Right. And, um, so I have a friend that, that's, uh, that serves out in West Valley, Judy Weeks Roner. Uh, she has been at the forefront of the fight to repeal the, um, the food tax. And yes. I, I think that that lines up exactly with what you're saying is that, um, especially right now in this market that we're in and in the, 
the struggling the, the struggles that a lot of families are, are having right now i think that i think that what you're saying is spot on that um we we need we need to make sure that that families can survive uh the, the hardship that a lot a lot of families are, are going through right now so um uh, second amendment so it says here that uh the incumbent has sponsored red flag bills three years in a row so not just once not just twice uh not just uh for a short amount of time this is for three years he's supported red flag laws uh says here that they violate the constitutionally protected rights which they do well let me let me break onto the red flag laws if you believe in the constitution you believe in the due process system Mm -hmm. to adjudicate someone's ability to take away their constitutional rights and red flag laws are specifically against guns but what if i could go into court and argue that i don't like the things you say so the government can take away your right to free speech uh you know, until we've had psychologists come in and, and people who, you know, check your spelling and whatever else to see if you can get it back or, um, or your, your right to, to have your property and, and things secure, uh, you know, we can take those away and then the police can just march through your house and kind of rummage through your stuff for a period of time until we take that back. That's what red flag laws are it it's it's where we circumvent the right to due process and granted it's a scary world scary things happen bad things happen and it's only gotten worse since we built a welfare state that runs fathers out of the home but you need to be careful though because red flag laws can be weaponized can you imagine what what do you mean can be i think red flag laws start weaponized okay no well what i mean by weaponized is that Say you have you have a domestic domestic situation, um, and I'm not talking about an, an argument or anything like. That. I'm talking about a husband and wife. They're going through uh, a divorce, and all of a sudden, one or the other gets this idea: "Hey, I'm going to do a little bit of payback." And they they call in and say, "Hey, I'm this sure, individual's unstable." I'm sure you're not talking have, about incidents that has actually happened and probably happening right now. Yeah, it probably has and probably is, and. Um, you know, just weaponizing. It's it's using the court system in order to get back at somebody. Yeah. That's uh, what it, I mean. I mean, that's just... Our family court system's that way anyway. I mean, it's almost built on that. But this is scary because it includes firearms. Well, yeah, but it, it includes any of your basic rights. That, and I don't call them rights. Any of your basic... Um, let's call it stuff the government isn't supposed to touch. Inalienable. Yes. It means that you can't be separated from them. Yes. And, and that's that's your government. right to speak. Your right to act in your own self-defense. Your right not to have soldiers live in your home. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, that's not an issue we've had to dealt with in a while, but you know, you know, your right to be secure in your property and things. Your your right to uh, you know, face the people who are who are making claims against you. And the red flag laws circumvent that. So it's not just red flag laws. It says here that um, he voted to increase fees to purchase a firearm, which that's another tactic that oh, yeah. leftists use. They try yeah. to make, and this was this was an idea that was thrown out a few years ago. Oh, Trevor dropped off for a second. Where he must have got oh, a call. Am I still there? Uh, yeah, you just got to turn on your camera again. Um, to where there is an increase, so increasing fees. So 
the idea uh, a few years ago, Democrats proposed that, well, if we can't take away the guns from Americans, we're just, ammo. we're going to increase this, the, the, the well, not just that, but Obama did go after ammunition. He went after ammunition in the form of, uh, I think it was processed brass had to flow through a foreign country and get processed again before it came back here, increasing the price. So regulation increased the red tape, yeah. increased the price, increased the taxes, increased yeah. the fees, uh, open the door for more, um, litigation, right? Uh, th just, they were fine. You having firearms, just not having the ammunition to make yeah. them. I mean, that's what California is doing right now. They can't go after the firearms completely. So they'll make you register when you buy ammunition. They'll, they'll go through all that stuff. But anyways, what's your stance on, let's just cut to the point. What's your stance on the second amendment? So very pro second amendment. I think that anything that infringes upon that right to bear arms is unconstitutional. And just like you guys say, I am in that camp of, especially the world that we live in now, it leads to an, an idea where the red flag law can adapt to, oh, wait, you're a, a Republican? Oh, well, you're a domestic terrorist now. Hmm. I have a right to take your uh, tax. We but haven't we, seen that recently, though. I we, mean, this it's, isn't, it's wait, not like we've we seen young men. Right now who call we, this domestic terrorist? It's yeah. not like we've seen young men ran over by Chevy Tahoes in the past hmm month or two you know specifically right. stating that he's a right-wing terror it i don't know where and he you're did it because of the argument or the, the that was his Correct. claim in the beginning had. yeah well and see and that's that's what's so scary though is people have, have for a long time the, the argument on the left is we've been oh we're just trying to take away guns and and from criminals from bad people it's the same idea they say with red flag laws we're trying to help people so they can't use them up to harm themselves. And in reality, that's just never the case with government. I mean, you name any program with government, does it go away or does it expand? <laughs> it always grows. It always gets out of control. And anything that infringes on the Second Amendment is no different. I think it was, and we've seen it. It's evident. It was Mises that said nothing is as permanent as a, terror, as a temporary government program. There you go. Wasn't Spot the income on. tax and, only supposed to be temporary? Uh, do you... Yeah. Yes. Did you yeah. guys know this? I think, I don't know what if it was you that told me. Someone told me yesterday that when Steve Handy proposed red flag gun laws in Utah, he was the first Republican in the country to propose such laws. Hmm. I it did not know me. that. And I'd have to look now to see if that's true. Um, I know I know Todd Weiler proposed some red flag laws as a senator. I don't know if that was after Steve or before but I heard that it was one of the first Republicans in the country to propose a red really? flag law because it's always Democrats that do it. Well, and that explains why, why he's getting so many donations from Democrats too. all of these policies completely line up with the democratic platform. And I, I shouldn't say democratic. I should say the progressive yes. left's platform. It's extremely progressive platform um that's what do you actually, think about the nfa well really quick really quick um just to go along that that same thought it says here on the flyer again from platform republicans pack that steve has steve handy has received seventy five thousand dollars in campaign donations in the last 30 days mostly from democrats i mean no wonder I mean, you look at this, you see all the policies that are on here that he's voted for or against that are against the, the Republican platform. Well, that's the Democrats hoping that uh, I'm not a Republican, guys. 
I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Um, I think you guys are too socialist for me. (laughs) You guys want too many government programs. Um, But that's because they're hoping that they can uh, get Republicans to vote just because there's an R next to the name. And and I do need to correct something on those donations, by the way. Um, See, this is one of the issues in Utah. Um, I don't think most of the donations are Democrats. I think a lot of it is special interests and lobbyists, Mm. uh, groups specifically that push for leftist um, policy. But there are a lot of people in Utah who say they're Republicans, but they don't vote that way or they don't vote for Republican Mm. policy. And Steve is a perfect example of that. He's a legislator who aligns with the Democrats on a lot of issues. And I would say even most issues when it, the ones that, 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 that we count on. And so you could have a lot of people donate to him who say they're Republican or they may even identify as Republican, but their actions and the way that they, their ideology would indicate they're not. And so that's where it's coming down to is if you're donating money to that candidate, then that shows that you believe in those policies and what they're pushing for. That's, that's that's what's really going on there. If there's Republicans on there who donated, which there are, why would you vote for the candidate or give money to the candidate who is going to actively push for more progressive policies and is not something that you can count on? Well, I okay, here's a misnomer I think that both parties have is that the ideals of the party that you believe in are static. We got to remember progressivism was born in the Republican Party. It okay. was born there. That's where it started. Teddy Roosevelt was our first progressive president, and it was born in the Republican Party. It was then adopted by the Democrat Party, but Hoover was a progressive. And that was after, you know, the Democrats took and ran with it. And then Coolidge was, uh, I would I would say, a conservative, though they didn't consider him that at the time. But he was also after all that as well. well let me jump in here. I, I think that I think that both parties want some of the same things, and that is we all want to be happy. We all want to see other people happy. Mm. Um, we we also we have empathy. You know, it's one thing that separates us from the animal kingdom. I'm starting to think. After that empathy and, and wanting others to, we suffer when other people suffer. I'm starting to think after that study that was bust by, uh, the New York times two weeks ago that showed how, uh, the investments of the politicians that sit on boards that control the, uh, areas that they are in control of. And then they also invest in that. I think, Politics is pure greed. Okay. Well, I'm talking about human nature, though. Sure. You know, human human nature, uh, sure. we do. At least, unless you're a sociopath, we, we, we feel empathy, and we do. We suffer for those that, that suffer, and um, we at least feel that twinge in our, in our soul or in our, our being, in our hearts, whatever it might be, that um, we want to do something about it. And that's, that's on both sides. You know that the Democrats try to lay claim that they're they're the party of compassion when their compassion is not compassion at all. Their compassion leads to slavery. It leads to dependence. It leads to uh, 
the the current plantation. I don't know. I think you're going to have to show some evidence for these claims. Yeah. Right. No, no. And <laughs> when it comes to, it's the different, it's, it's the difference between teaching a man to fish versus uh-huh. giving a man a fish. No, I, uh, I agree. You, you but we're off, saying? we're off. But I think the hard part is, is what I'm saying is there are going to be Republicans in Utah that do not reflect what you feel. And I don't think that's because of them being not Republicans at heart. I think that's them being maybe not conservative at heart. And the Republicans have taken the, the, uh, the nomenclature that they are the conservatives. Well, there, there were a lot of people in the Senate race that switched parties just so that they can get one of the candidates in. They wanted to try to beat Mike Lee. And so, um, the Democrats, uh, the Democrats aren't even running a, a candidate this year. No, they're against not. Against Mike Lee. They're backing McMuffin. They're, yeah, exactly. Or McMullen, I'm sorry. But McMuffin. at the time, they were trying to back Becky Edwards. Yeah. And the, a lot of their signature gatherers. Well, and it's too bad. I like Kale Weston. Kale Weston, as far as anyone I've talked to from the Democrat Party, is as earnest and honest and well-meaning as a politician I've ever heard for his party. But he's earnest. He believes in it. He believes that this is this is how I see Democrats. They believe government is the answer to government's the solution. Yeah, doesn't matter what the problem is. Government's the solution. Well, Republicans say, uh, you know, private enterprise is the solution, and then turn around and make government the solution. But you know, at least they have the rhetoric that matches my. That comes down to holding their feet to the fire. Sure. To make sure that they follow through with their promises. Sure. And um, handy, handy. But we're off subject. We've got to no, let no, no. Trevor I'm bringing talk. it back. I'm bringing it yeah. back. Handy seems to be one of those that needs his. Is he's he hasn't followed the platform. He's one of those that that is there in rhetoric. But if you follow this voting record, assuming that this is all accurate, which I assume that it is, um, you know that uh, platform Republicans pack. They're not going to put something out that's inaccurate. These are bills that he actually voted for or against that vote for the progressive agenda mm-hmm. and against the Republican party platform. Um, that's why, that's why they're called platform Republicans. Um, they want Republicans in just like what you're saying. They want Republicans in that are actually going to vote for and stand for not just rhetorically, but action wise, they're going to stand for the Republican platform, which Republican platform is pro family. It's pro second amendment It's pro constitution just in general. And so it ties right in. Handy is just, I can't stand it when, when people say one thing and then do another. And it seems like Handy well, is one of those. You're exactly right. What can you imagine? Cause people ask me a lot of times, I, I obviously I don't have a voting record. I haven't been in before, but just listing off all these bills, they're things that I a, either wouldn't have voted for, or I would have voted for if they were good. It would have been a, a legislator that, they could have counted on to help push the more conservative agenda forward within the legislature. And that's huge. I don't think people realize, I mean, if, if, if there was an, if there was a couple more, for example, Steve Handy's in the legislature, they would be really able to push or stop good policies from moving forward in our state. That's why it's critical that everyone gets involved and understands the issues with their candidate. They don't just vote for someone because they're a friend of theirs. And I've run into that a lot with some people is, Hey, you know, they're a good friend of mine. And 
sometimes even after they figure out they don't have a good voting record, they still would vote for them. And I, I think that's wrong. I think, I think we need to make sure that we vote for people that align with us on our principles and the ideologies that we, we have as conservatives. Um, and, and that's, that's why when you go down and look at these votes, um, Hey, I'm not going to sponsor these bad bills. I'm not going to push to change the flag. I'm never going to push a red flag law. So you could automatically just save everyone the time and resources from that stuff. And then I'll have, I'll have the good votes on those bills. So that's, that's a huge, that's a huge thing in my opinion. And I think that um, if there are more people who did what they said they were going to do, or if they ran, like, you know, you guys talking about the Republican platform, just running on that and actually just doing that stuff is going to be a big deal compared to someone saying, I'm conservative, I'm conservative. And then they don't actually espouse and do those things when they're in office. And we have that problem in Utah. There's a lot of representatives who say, I'm conservative, I'm conservative, but their voting record would say otherwise. And, and that's, and that's one of the reasons why at convention I was able to beat Steve is because uh, I am more conservative than he is, not because I say it, but because I am and, and Steve is not, and his voting record proves that. And now it's going to be my chance and my opportunity. I'm going to have to get in and actually prove that I am conservative with a voting record, not just by saying I am. And, and sometimes people need to realize and understand before they, um, go vote is look into the bills of what your legislator has done. Um, Google a couple things, look up five bills, find, find a couple of topics that are important to you, like second amendment, um, education, taxes, and just see how they voted. It's not that hard. It takes a little bit of time, but it can usually go a long ways in figuring out if you align with the candidate that is representing your area. And most people don't do that. And it's unfortunate. I think if more people did it, we would be in a completely different scenario of where we're at in Utah in a good way, in a much better way. So, Well, and, and to back you up on that, so you mentioned earlier that, that we did have a conversation yesterday. Um, so, and this goes right along with Second Amendment before we move on to education. But uh, Trevor was at uh, the same event that I was at, just coincidentally, we were up at a, a ranch um, uh, and we were, what was it? We had Freedom, Freedom Front, Freedom Front, Utah, that it's a, it's a group of army rangers that actually teaches self-defense training or not self-defense. It's a firearms training uh, that kind of slants a little bit more towards self-defense. And it was awesome seeing you there. So when you're saying that you, you are pro Second Amendment, you really are pro Second Amendment and that it's not just rhetorical. You actually put that into practice and you're out there exercising your second amendment, right? So what, uh, tell me, tell me what, tell me what you shot yesterday. What, what'd you bring? What, uh, what's your firearm? So I, I have, I brought two guns. I brought a SIG, uh, 320 extreme. And then I also have a Glock, uh, gen 19. And, uh, my SIG, I feel like it's kind of a cheat code because it has the laser sight on it, which makes it a lot easier. Um, but uh, the the Glock, I mean, I, I can go home and I don't have to clean it and it's still going to shoot good. So I got the pros and cons between both guns that I brought. And uh, I feel like unlike some people who claim to be pro Second Amendment and just say I own guns, like, no, I actually shoot my guns. I carry my guns. I know my guns and I know why I do it. I don't just say I'm pro Second Amendment. I mean, if you were to ask Joe Biden if he's pro Second Amendment, he would say he is too. <laughs> right. Just because you own a gun or a shotgun doesn't mean you're pro Second Amendment. 
just because you have a concealed carry doesn't mean you're pro second amendment. I think it's actually um, walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. Um, and actually it's, it's quite interesting. I I've seen Trevor, not just yesterday, but I I've seen him out in the community. Uh, he works hard. He works really hard. And there are some events that we just bump into each other at random. And it's, it's nice to see how, um, how good he is at building those relationships that are needed in order to be an, an effective representative in the house. And, um, it seems like like Trevor's doing a really good job. So I, I want to applaud you on that, not just for showing up to a Second Amendment event, but um, for being as active as you are in the community. And um, I wasn't there. I didn't see how hard you were knocking doors and, and how far you walked. But uh, if it's anything of what I've seen of you just out in the community, you know, I, I applaud your efforts and I can see why you got the super majority of the delegate votes from, from your party uh, in the county. So... I just applaud you for your efforts. Well, let me take a minute Thanks, and ask Mike. you a question. Mm -hmm. uh, what, um, what are some of the, I want to give you the chance to clear the air on what you feel is some maybe uh, incorrect media stories or incorrect or, or just disparaging media stories that have come out. Uh, what are some of those that you want? We talked about the, secret Twitter thing hmm. that you may have had a, a private Twitter that you and your friends communicated on, which to me sounds like you had a messenger service that you guys used or a group that should be able to remain private unless you know, you're committing nefarious acts with it. So what are some of the ones that you, uh, that you feel that you have, uh, some stories that you feel you want to clear the air on. Uh, and this maybe isn't just me though, but I feel like people who are conservative in general does not mean you're a far right wing extremist because I believe in freedom and, and my, my views and my stances have stayed the same. I, I would feel my whole life on a lot of issues. Um, it doesn't mean that, that I'm an extremist or that I'm a bad person or that I hate people. But I, I'm and at a point in my life where I'm trying to actively fight against the people who are fighting against me and my freedoms, because that doesn't just affect me, it affects my family. And so um, I don't have ill will towards people. Um, I've been upset with maybe how a certain politician or politicians either have voted or, or how they push things, because I think they're detrimental to our society. But I'm more into if I don't agree with you, it doesn't mean I hate you. And that's something that is pushed a lot by the left in this day and age is, um, Oh, you know, you don't agree with kids under 18 being able to mutilate themselves. Well, it doesn't mean I hate those kids who are do who are having that happen to them. Um, and it doesn't even necessarily mean I hate the parents who are allowing that or not allowing that. It means I hate that idea and I think it's bad and harmful for them. And so we should be able to have that discussion. And I also think too, that you can't, we're starting to, to blend the lines nowadays of what has always been considered good and evil. Um, you know, it's the, the conversation has shifted. It's, it's interesting. I, I go back to, and I'm going to use an example here on this. Uh, I had a lunch with some friends a couple years ago and we were talking about, for example, how it started with in the beginning, 
gay marriage, allowing people to have that ability to be married if they were gay. And my wife and I talking to some friends said, well, it won't end there. It's going to move into other factions of our life. And that's why we, we need to be careful of what we are just allowing here freely throughout society, because there will be consequences to this. Or based on an agenda, it's going to move in a different direction. And it has so quickly. But we'd also then moved and shifted to, well, did you know that they're now teaching sex education to kids in kindergarten? And they said, no, no. And I said, well, it's, it's that same ideology and it's a lot of that agenda that is pushing that onto children now. But it just started with, well, just let us get married. And, and once again, the law is a law and it is what it is within the land. But now they're trying to push other things that I'm completely 100% against and always will be, for example, like pedophilia. Pedophilia is now being openly discussed amongst universities and certain professors and people in our society saying, hey, it's just who they are. They can't help themselves. And that's the direction of the discussion that it's now leading to. And once again, it doesn't mean I hate people in the LGBTQ world. I have friends. I have a friend who's a transgender. I have friends who are gay. But I'm actively going to fight against some of their um, ideas that I think are harmful. And that's okay. I think it's okay to be against someone on an idea and you can still love the person. And so that's something I would get out is they try to paint anyone I feel like who is conservative or doesn't go along with their ideology, specifically people in the media or on the Democrat side as a bad person or as someone who hates people. And that's not true. I, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I have a lot of flaws in my life. Um, I have plenty of issues. But you know what? A lot of the people that cast stones and, and, and hurl things they're not perfect either. And they want to make those the issues instead of focusing on policy and things that I would actually be representing. So if, because I have a, because I had a private Twitter account, does that mean that um, because I make a joke about something that that's the policy I'm going to produce and move forward on? No, not at all. And I think a lot of that was proved with Trump as a president. I mean, he had a very uh, different personality than we've ever seen as a president of the United States. A lot of times they'd say, that's not presidential. You're not doing this. But behind all of that and the face of it, his policies were absolutely incredible for our country. And I think that to me is more important than the man himself. Uh, I mean, if, if I would rather have someone who's doing policies that are actively helping my family and my community than someone who's sitting up there and is considered a stellar individual. I want stuff that are going to help us. I'm not I'm not voting for someone to be the next prophet and I don't expect them to be, but I do want them to, I am voting for someone and I expect someone to represent me and push good policy. And that's what I would, would say to people out there who write these hit pieces and stuff is I'm actively trying to push good policy, be someone who can be counted on for votes to push um, the conservative agenda, which I think works. I think it's proven and, and that's what should be focused on. Everything else is just a distraction. It's these, these October surprises, these things that are trying to draw you away when you can't win on the issues. You attack the individual or you attack them as a mistake or something they may have done or said in the past. And, and I, 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 think, I think we need to move away from that. And I think for the most part, we're, we're kind of getting tired of it. I mean, that's, that's where so much is going with politics. I mean, look at around the country, any big race going on, they're going to throw out all this crazy stuff at the end. And it, and it just is coming to the point like, okay, here we go. What's, what's next. Um, and I, I don't know so much as it's working, 
as I would hope that people, when they hear something or it doesn't sound right or it sounds crazy, you know, reach out and talk. Uh, I think the worst thing for me when I see these hit pieces is I have a friend or someone who's like, oh my gosh, and they don't come and talk to me. Like they don't even get it from a firsthand perspective. They just automatically assume what's being written is true. That to me is is a problem. And I, and I think it's been coming out and it's been getting worse because of social media in general. We live in this world behind keyboards now where you don't actually go and talk to the individual about things or you don't call them up. Everything is just behind uh, a wall that you feel safe and people don't like to, to be confronted on things. But you know what? I am more than happy and I am, this is one of the reasons why I'm okay running for this is confront me on my issues or things that you have concerns about. I'll talk to you. I'll listen to you and let's, let's, let's go over it together. Let's just not believe what the Tribune's saying on things. Like let's, let's chat about it. And uh, if it's true, it's true. It's, if it's false, it's false. And, and we'll go through that together. And if that's a big concern, then, then let's talk about it instead of just going along with the gossip and the flow and the October surprises. Let's make sure that we're focusing on what's important here. And I will focus on what's important too. That's a part of being a public servant. It's a part of the job is you have to, you have to have a thick skin. Otherwise yeah, you won't survive very long. I just, I'm wondering, okay. well, one, uh, the corporate media is dying. The regular media, they're, they're dying. Um, it's little shows like this that are killing them because now you can you can reach out directly to the people it, it, your message doesn't have to be filtered through uh you know some guy that that doesn't like you so they're willing to fudge the narrative in favor of someone they do like to to write a story or to do a focus on you they're done they're out they were they were dying before trump got in trump was uh Trump was uh, one of them chest shocker machines when your heart stops for the media. And now it's dying again. Defibrillator. Yeah, defibrillator. You know, and they're out because, and so in them dying, they've got, they're thrashing. So they're acting more ridiculous. They've always believed this way. They just hit it better. Well, it's also a sign that they're afraid of you and that you're effective. Yeah. Too. It, yeah, it, it could be, 100%. it should be used as a badge of honor in a lot of cases, because if, if they're coming after you, that means that, that you are a threat and it means that you're doing something good. Um, and so, yeah, it's those hit pieces. They, they really don't carry much weight nowadays. They really don't. Now voting records, something like this, uh, this pamphlet that was put out, uh, by the pack. Yeah. That's, uh, this is something that's important. This is. This yeah, is truth. Let's right let's here, we're we're opinion. we're close to having you on here an hour, and uh, oh. I try to limit it to an hour because it makes it easier for me to put it up on the uh, on the different channels, and you can get as much of your message out. So, education. What are your thoughts on education? Uh, what if you were to propose a bill on education? What bill would you propose? What would you change? Well, I want to try and put more money to follow what the parents choose than just going to administrators in our state. I don't know if you guys saw they did that audit with our budget and found that not teachers, not resources, not the buildings, but just the administrators pay and benefits is around $658 million. 
Yep. That to me is crazy. In fact, the last 10 years, that's almost a 30% increase. What's, what's our, teachers uh, saw what's our, our, uh, property tax going up this next year oh my of, goodness. To, yeah. here in Tooele. I think it's a hundred percent increase we've got yeah. coming up. Yeah. That starts this year, I think. Yep. Yes. Well, yeah. and, and so like anything in government, the, the problem that's hard is it gets out of control. Right. And I feel like the education system has been monopolized and there's not a lot of competition when you are just given funds and can do whatever you want without any consequences to those decisions. It creates, in my opinion, a dewatered and it hurts and it hurts the whole system in general. The, you know, for as much money as we put into education, I don't think we're seeing an uptick in <laughs> test scores. We're not seeing an uptick in the quality education that children get. And I think that's a problem. And so when you have a parent who may be concerned about something like that, they should have the ability to let the money follow the student where they decide to go. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's one of the things that I would like to know. Education is really hard to push. I mean, you're going to have teachers unions. You're going to have um, teachers in general who are going to push back against anything that takes a kid out of the system or takes money out of the system. It's really hard. Uh, what do you so do it, when it uh, not? What do you do when that that uh, that Faustian contract comes down from the Fed saying your state loses X if you don't back this? Well, and not not. Mm -hmm. Much of our education is funded by the federal government anyway. It's somewhere no. around, mm -hmm. it's 10% less, less like than. Yeah, 13%, uh, I believe. 13%. 13%. Now, let me ask you. And then they dangle it in okay, front of us. Okay, let me ask you. Like how, would, how would your house, your home, manage next month if we took 13% of your income away? That's how you have to okay, look so at everything. I'm not saying 13% is huge. I'm not saying it would hurt. It's definitely an incentive. And like I said, it's, it's wrong. They and dangle. that's what's killed us every year. That's why you get conservative. So what they're doing is politicians. They're, saying, they're saying it's not about the kids. That's what they're doing. They're dangling this carrot in front of us and saying, you're going to lose your 13% unless you do what we say. If you've ever and thought that, that government has been about the kids so control. or the people, you're not a very good, uh, piece of livestock. I agree. Um, <laughs> Uh, we are, so we're farm animals. I, I look to the 10th amendment. A hundred percent. The, the department of education is unconstitutional. A hundred percent. Shall we yes. go on with the 10th amendment? Continue <laughs> no, on. Good sir. Not. So this has suddenly become a, a pornography channel for me. No. So the ninth amendment basically says that just because, uh, these, one of these rights, these inalienable rights are not enumerated does not mean that there aren't more rights. So in other words, the ninth amendment said there are more inalienable yeah. rights that do mm -hmm. not come from government. They come from God. They come from our higher power, mm -hmm. our creator. Um, and the 10th amendment says that uh, the flip side of that also is that uh, everything that is not in here uh, in these, um, in the constitution or the bill of rights up to this point uh, do not do not, uh, it, it's left to the states. Well, it's what the 10th the Amendment says not is if we government. haven't put it in if writing. school is not in the Constitution. If we haven't put it in so writing, the, the general government cannot do it. Correct. That's what it says. So if, if we haven't had an amendment passed, the general government cannot do it. Hmm. That's what it says. Well, so the, the war the on drugs is, it's like what we, is illegal. Oh, go ahead. The FBI is illegal. 
the IRS is illegal. The ATF is illegal. Um, let's think on more. Uh, the Federal Reserve is illegal. But there's been very few Republicans who's argued this. Well, I don't... Uh, so I would say that national defense um, Paul falls under the purview of the executive branch. Sure. And um, I'm not going to go... Um, uh, step by step through all of our alphabet soup agencies, um, but I'd feel free if you left that to me. That's okay. Yeah. So w- I would, I would that say way. that the executive branch does have purview over um, international uh, stuff. So uh, trade, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of um, uh, our State Department has the international purview. For, for our country. Mm-hmm. Um, the executive branch does have um, defense as part of its responsibilities. And so the argument could be put out there. All of our alphabet agencies fall under those responsibilities that are listed in the constitution. But I, that's, but as far as education though, that is not listed specifically. It is not listed in the constitution. We don't have an amendment for it. And so therefore it falls underneath the 10th amendment where the executive branch should not have that responsibility. It's left to the states. Right. So that's well, and that's why Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy Carter was one who created the Department of Education. Yep. Right before Reagan, and it's had a. I believe it's had a, a disastrous impact on our education system. Every year, in rural areas. Every year, it's gotten more expensive, um, and every year, it's gotten less value. Every year. Correct. In fact, the amount of kids who are coming out of school proficient in reading writing, math. I mean, it's, it's getting worse and worse. Uh, but that, that then goes back to your question of, you know, what can I do as a state legislator? It, well, it's, there are going to be a lot of bills proposed in education, lots of different things. And I would always say, I would like to side with the parents, things that give parents more choice and taking that away from the government and letting parents decide what they want to do for their kids. And that's, that's where we talk about school choice or parental choice. Uh, it's siding with the parents on issues, not the school system. And that can be a hard thing to do. And you can get a lot of pressure from, you know, the teachers unions, et cetera, but other I legislatures, parents, I think you're, you're going to have, leg- yeah, you're going to have more senior legislatures. Absolutely. Who's going to call you into their office and they're going to scream at you. And I've heard this from current legislatures that they get screamed at, they get yelled at, they get called traitor. They get, when they, when they try to, uh, go against what senior uh, reps and senior state senators want. Right. And, but yeah, then they, hold, hold, hold also, on those issues. Right. And they've also got this, this, once you join in there, I'm not sure, but it feels like you probably join a, a, a club where you, you know, you're in a, you're, you know, no one talks about fight club. And so you're in there. So these things can't be let out. So it's not like you can let out that, hey, that senior legislator in there, he's pushing this and he's driving me to it. You can't talk about Fight Club from the Fight Club. And so I, I think we need to lay it bare. We need to we need to put cameras in every legislature's office, in the hallways, and everything. It needs to be laid bare. I think if you're going to get paid by the people, you're get, it's not like you get paid by how many hours you put in. You're paid a salary. So Mm -hmm. call me crazy, but you sign up to be a servant. You're going to wear a body cam or at least a body mic. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So, and I know it sounds crazy, but you know, maybe we, we can have a, an office of if you and your wife are trying to make a baby, we'll mute the mic. But other than that, seriously, I want to know what I want to know if back deals are being made in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Because this is, this is my money, my money that's being stolen from me at gunpoint. What I think is crazy is how the Democrats are, I think, I don't know if it's incompetence or if it's intentional, but they're destroying our country. They're destroying the family. They're destroying (laughs) our, everything, our economy, um, our, anyway. Um, so if there's any type of backroom deals that are going on, I just, they just can't keep going down the path that they're on. I just, I don't see how they're going to be able to do it and win these backroom deals that they might be having. I could just imagine. I've what talked to, we, I've talked to former Republican reps yeah. who have told me these very stories. Okay. So, so it's not just Democrats now, granted the Republican reps, they're probably not fighting for civilization killer ideas. Hey, Trevor. Jason, how how much how much longer is this? Just because I have to get going here. Yeah, so yeah, I want to do a lightning round really quick. Just a few questions I want to throw at you. You ready? Okay. Hey. Yeah, go for it. Um, what is the role of government? To, I'm going to say, protect the freedoms that we have. Okay. Um, where do you stand on criminal justice reform? I think that it's becoming too easy for criminals to get free on bail. And I also think that, um, I guess on the reform, I think that we need to be harsher on criminals. That's, that's what I believe. Okay. So like, like what about bail child rapist? Yeah. I think that bail needs to be where it's, I mean, it's, it's expensive, but it should be. I don't think we should have penny bail. I don't think we should make it easier and cheaper for people to get out. Would you adjust that? Uh, equal because bail is a definite sign that it it attacks people under poverty hard and people with means it doesn't well, it's, touch it's the, and then it's the judge it's that decision how much sure and let's remember oh. let's remember bail is something that is done so that you can maintain your due process rights. Well, there was Correct. I just read an and article. That's why bail is important. Well, uh, I read an article po- early, earlier this week uh-huh. about a guy that just got arrested, I think his 55th time because bail is just so low and they've done this bail sure. reform where they've gotten rid of bail and bail has its purpose right, right, and right. has its utility. Sure. And you can read other stories yeah. where guys get accused of something and our justice system is, uh, it, it's not, uh, how did the how's the verb? Well, anyways, I'm not going to try to think of a word after okay. I'm a beer into it. But you, you, but you do support you do support bail, okay? Yes. Um, where do you stand on allowing biological boys to compete on girls' sports teams and be in their bathrooms and in the same power space? It's wrong. Okay. It's wrong, and it shouldn't happen. Yeah, X chromosome parts should not shower with Y chromosome parts. Is that what I just heard Trevor Lee say? I believe so. Oh. I call it controversial, but it's, but it's true. Pure bigotry. Pure bigotry. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So what would it take for 
Nope. Already asked you that. Where do you want to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish as a legislature? As a legislature. I want to try to. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I want to be effective. Number one, I don't want to be in there because we've had some really good legislators, but they haven't been effective. So I want to be able to actually, um, if I do propose different pieces of legislation, I want it to be specific to helping uh, issues with constituents in my area and throughout the state. But I also at the same time want to make sure as a legislator that my vote can be counted on for what I feel are good policies and they cannot count on it for bad policies. And uh, that's, I think, what would make me an effective legislator that's been missing from our area for a long time. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And last one. Well, I I might have one after. Oh, really? Okay. So my last one. Um, As the party nominee from your county, uh, you have your party's support. Um, How is your county party? How are they supporting you? What are what are they doing? So they have given me funds and sent an email out saying who their endorsed candidates are. Okay, great. All right. All right. What do you think about, would you back, uh, back any play to try backing the government out of people's lives in general? Say that again. Backing the general, like, like, uh, letting homosexual marriage. I think the Republicans should have said, you're right. Government shouldn't be involved in marriage contracts at all. That should be a contract of, right. like a business contract. Well, yeah, and I understand. I mean, it's it's a whole another discussion. I, I don't think government should be in marriage, but if you go back and look at there was a reason why they got involved in it, and it was to support a family that if you had kids. And, and having a mom and dad in the home was the best opportunity to create success for a child in our society. And so the government tried to help that in any way they could back when it was all that there was. And uh, now that we've opened up that door and government's in it, it's it's now become a mess because they're infiltrating every part of our lives. And um, I mean, it is what it is. And so we have to just take it issue by issue, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the law of the land. And, and quite frankly, if, if you really want to get down to, I think it needs to be a state's right over a federal issue. I think the states need to be able to have more control and we're in a good position right now where just like with Roe versus Wade, I think the state should be making the decisions on what they believe and not letting the federal government overreach and, and mandating those decisions for the state. So I haven't thought this through completely or all the way, um, but perhaps marriage should just be given back to the church and just, left alone be left alone well i think it should be treated like yeah. a business contract if you want to have a church wedding okay. you have Legal a church wedding and if you want to have so i think if you're stupid enough to make that business contract where we're going to have 12 kids and he can run away on you know day two of that 12th kid in the business contract then he can if not i mean it's a business contract we're going to have children if we have children you're liable to take care of these children to this percent well, and then the states. What's interesting? Then I don't have to pay to arm a, a security branch to go after fathers who aren't taking care of their kids, or to uh, support mothers who are having kids irresponsibly. Here's something to think about: because Democrats who are supporting marriage, just in general, mm-hmm. that's a biblical principle. 
So are the Democrats using the Bible as a way to support what they're doing? They want to have marriage because it's it's something that's ordained of God from the very beginning. Well, you don't have to answer. Uh, you, you could argue it's, point, right? it's also older than the Bible. But yet they hate the Bible. But it's also older than the Bible. Marriage, yeah. you could say the Bible uses an older principle. Okay. Well, here's here's the real here's the real thing though, guys. Is when our country was founded, it was founded on based only on the idea that we are a Judeo-Christian country, that we espouse those values, that our freedoms and our our ability to have the type of government we do will not work unless the majority of the population believes what is right and wrong, and has a majority say in that stuff. So, you know, as we lose those those Christian Judeo-Christian values. You're going to see less and less the ability for our, our our nation to function correctly as it should. I mean, the founding fathers were very clear on that. And uh, I'm not saying you, you have to be a Christian, but that's what our country was founded on, that it was going to work only if people, the majority of the people, believed in those things and lived those things, would it be able to work? Because there's a lot of free countries out there. When I say free, like they have constitutions that um, allow them to be free. There's a chaos all over, and it's because the people just don't share a lot of the same morals and values, and it creates a lot of issues. So, it, you're you're going to see as we have been seeing as, as less and less people follow along what those Judeo-Christian values are, we're going to have more and more issues because it doesn't align with what our Constitution is and our Bill of Rights. Tocqueville said it very well and very succinctly. He said, "America is great because it is good. If America ever ceases to be good." It will cease to be great. And he also That's said, yes. he also said, this this is great, but eventually they're going to figure out they can vote to take their neighbor's stuff. So, <laughs> and he was right on both accounts. It's good to see you again, Trevor. Awesome. Thank you very much. I'm sure you, you have other things to do. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me know yeah. next time you go to that shooting course. I want to go with you. Uh, I am known to. Uh, be a purveyor that likes to uh, go to shooting courses. It's kind of a thing uh, I do. Look up the Tactical Cowboys online. They're the guys who hold these events, and they're mm -hmm. awesome. Good group of men, very educated on the Second Amendment, very pro-Second Amendment, and um, hopefully good shout-out to them that if people are looking to increase their um, skills and abilities, mm -hmm. they are the guys to go to. So Tactical Cowboys. Good. Yeah, I'm going to a uh, one-day course tomorrow uh defensive shooting course tomorrow uh that's here in grantsville at the grantsville police department range uh if you anyone i don't know if there's any slots left open but reach out to me and i'll ask west and if there is we can probably get you in 